Welcome back to a special episode of the Epic Experiment Podcast. It's episode 85, and I'm your host, Bruce, and I'm joined on the line by Lux. Lux, how are you now? I am doing fine. I'm glad to hear that, my friend. As the audience may or may not be aware, um, we recording has been a, a challenge this fall. If it hasn't been one person, it's been the other one, and we've been having a hard time connecting every week, haven't we, Lux? Yep. Oh my god. So, uh, if anyone ever thinks that life doesn't get in the way of people recording podcasts, please think again. We are absolutely struggling to get it done on a weekly basis for you guys, but we're glad to be back. Happy to be here. It's the month of December already, Lux. Like, are you guys getting geared up for Christmas down there? Yep. Now, have you had snow? And not yet. Good. Good. We had our first big dose of snow on the weekend, and we got like 10 centimeters overnight from Sunday night to Monday, and then we had freezing rain all day Monday, so they canceled buses to schools and stuff, which is always good fun. That's always a blast. Um, But get this, so over the day on Monday, the temperature rose from below zero to being eight degrees. I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit. Eight Celsius in Fahrenheit is uh, forty-six, like forty-six degrees Fahrenheit. Which, like, that's chilly, but like, considering it's December here in Canada, eight degrees is pretty pretty balmy for us. Well, anyway, overnight on Monday night, it dropped from eight degrees to minus ten in the span of like four hours. Like, (laughs) the bottom dropped right out, and like if like. So it went from 46 to 14 in the span of like four hours time. Like once the sun set, like from like three o'clock in the afternoon to seven at night, it went from like, like almost a 20 degree swing. It was crazy cold all of a sudden. So winter's here, everybody. Winter has come to Canada once again and no one likes it. <laughs> no one likes it. <laughs> How was Thanksgiving, Lux? Apart yeah, from It was good. Well, it was good. Good. Good eats. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Got a, so, what do you guys do? Do you guys do like do a turkey, or do you guys like do ham, or do you do something else? And honestly, in my family, we normally do ham. Not a lot of turkey lovers. That's okay. I can get behind ham. Ham's a good one. I like that one. I I know some people who do like roasted beef. Other people do like seafood and stuff. But like do fun things like that too. But no, I can get behind a good old fashioned ham. That's that's good. So what's what's your favorite part of of American Thanksgiving? What's like what's the dish that you look forward to most on the table come Thanksgiving? And truth be told, it's the mashed potatoes. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, now, freshly made know, mashed potatoes too. Well, of course, dude. Is there any other way to put to do it? Okay, now do you put is there gravy for your mashed potatoes, or do you like just do it like mashed potatoes, like just straight up? And there's gravy for basically everything, the mashed potatoes, the ham. Gravy for ham? Yep. Really? Yeah, brown gravy. Oh, all right. That's cool. I, I Up here, like, I would usually do mustard with my ham, but anyway, that's cool. I'm gra- gravy for my... All right, cool. Sounds good. Now... And is there like a special dessert you guys do, or do you guys do the pumpkin pie sort of do the the the, the traditional thing? And we just do the pumpkin pie. 
Yeah. Can't go wrong with an old classic, can you? Nope. I, I won't bore you too much, but at the time that I was working at a working in a ki- kitchen at a summer camp, and I served pumpkin pie, and I didn't put enough sugar in the pumpkin, so it was like eating pumpkin instead of pumpkin mm. pie, and no one was happy. <laughs> no one was happy. I'm like, ooh, I'm sorry, children. This was not a good experiment. Eeks. So anyway, all right. Oh dear, are you ready to get going, Lux? Yep. All right. Um, don't forget, folks, if you like what you hear here on this podcast, you can check out all of our episodes on the lotuscouncil.com. Um, but there's also way more going on. You can have all there's all sorts of great content going on. But uh, the number one feature that you guys need to check out is the Discord. All right. And the nice part with the Discord, so it's a it's a Magic the Gathering focused podcast. Uh, sorry, um, Discord. With a lot of people who are very like strong EDH players that love to play EDH, and if you want ideas to bounce ideas off for decks off people, you want uh, to maybe set up a game. There's lots of great people to talk to and and do that. Um, I've had a lot of success there, and uh, we're hoping that Lux can soon get himself a, a webcam and get set up so he can join us. Right, Lux? Yep. Yeah. So, um. Come and check out the Discord. I, you will not be disappointed. Um, as, as people who use it regularly, it is an excellent, excellent avenue to go and make lots of great new friends. Uh, and it's also a really safe space, really safe place with people. Um, you know, there people speak very respectfully about stuff. Um, so there's some good humor, but there's also it's still very respectful. So, uh, and then on for all, and the, the low price of uh, how many dollars, Lux? How many dollars does it take to get into the Discord? Absolute zero. Zero. That's the best number ever. So lots of free value, folks. So if you're like us and you're into free value, come and check out the lowestcouncil.com. You will not be disappointed. Tell tell them Bruce and Lux sent you, and you'll be doing well. Oh, all right, Lux. Should we get into ourselves a little garbage or great? Yep. This one was interesting. So, the random scryfall generator gave me Stonebrow, Croson Hero. So, three red green for a 4-4 with Trample is a legendary creature, Centaur Warrior. And read this. Whenever a creature you control with Trample attacks, it gets plus two, plus two until end of turn. Uh, is this, is this, is this good? Should I be excited to play this card? And like, I want to hear your thoughts about it. I'm going to be honest. I want to like this card. It's from Time Spiral, folks. Like, it is old. It is an old card. I have a really hard time getting behind this commander in today's day and age. Because there are so many cards that are that have eclipsed what this can do at this mana cost. Like, it is just bananas. So... I'm going to pull up uh, Comparable. Uh, so, so, get this. In Crimson Val, that was printed oh, last month, in the same color combinations, for four mana, you get Ale- Helena and Alina partners, which, um, as much as people say, wow, Bruce, that's not the same ability. Listen to what this, this is what this says here. 
They're a 2-3 with first strike and reach. Okay. I already like that better than trample on my creature. All right. But get this. At the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus, plus, uh, an X, put X plus one plus one counters on another target creature you control where X is Halana Elena's power. That creature gains haste until end of turn. All right. So comparing that to what Stonebrow offers us, whenever a creature you control with trample attacks, it gets plus two, plus two. So you got to have a creature with trample attacking. How many of those do you think you have in an average deck? Like, you can skew your deck badly towards it and play all sorts of bad things. But really, how many creatures with trample do you think you're going to run? Five? And honestly, they, there's not really a lot of low-cost low, low ones. No. So you're spending a lot of mana to get tra big tramplers into play. And for a very modest bump. Whereas Helena and Alina, Helena and Alina, Alina, Helena and Alina pump one of your creatures, any one of your creatures, regardless of their size. They could be early drops, and now they're suddenly a lot more relevant. And or it could be a big drop and make it a real, a real big punishing attacker. You can do a lot of things with Helena and Alina, and it scales better. Like if you put a piece of equipment on Halana and Alina, like put a sword on them. Now they're four fives. They're putting four plus one plus one counters on something. Like I would rather play Halana and Alina compared to Stonebrow. And like, cause as much as they don't pump Halana and Alina don't pump all of your creatures, they're going to pump one of your creatures and make it a very, and make it a very meaningful, relevant threat if they don't deal with it. Whereas Stonebrow just pumps big fat tramplers, like I'm not a fan of this one iota. So I'm gonna say this is garbage. Like this is from a bygone era of magic that has been totally eclipsed by the red and green tools that are available to players now, um, to the point where like you don't want to play this. I can't imagine a deck that I want this in, and. The funny part is there's 191 decks, like which is far more than I thought there was going to be, but that's still a tiny number of decks considering this card is very, very old. What do you think here? And honestly, in thing I'd go along with you and basically just say it's garbage since we can't be on the fence about it, because yeah, you're right, nothing. You can get so much better value out of any other card. Well, yeah, you can get a lot of better value from out of a lot of like you can play Xenogod. Xenogod is the same mana cost, and you get an indestructible like god that's going to sit there and pump your team. Like you're not telling me that that, that Stonebrow matches up very very comparably. Like we found one that's cheaper there, and Helena and Alina. We have Xenogod that's running around that could be better. Like you're not going to want to play it. Now, if I, if you're asking me from the meme value, back and like do something kind of weird and quirky, sure, I might pull it, I might build a Stonebrow deck for the week and have a giggle. But I'm not really interested in this as a commander. Uh, I, I think it's just not a particularly good card. Now, like you can bend your bend over backwards and do it, I guess, but like 
yeah, like there's some, and you can play tr- like Trample Tribal, but I'm not a big fan, really. I'm looking at the creatures and the and the and the top cards in it. Like, get this, like top cards. So, okay, Proud Wildbonder, which is from Ikoria, which is the four three that gives all your creatures a trample as they assign damage that they don't have as if they weren't blocked. This is good. Quartzwood Crasher, Spawn Rise, which is just debatable. Giant Adiphage, that one's good. That's good. Kenra Charioteer, Boar Tusk Liege. I don't know. Like, after that, it gets pretty sketch. I'm not really sure you want to get into too much of this stuff. Like, yeah, and now you're thing, casting Borborygmos and Thunderfoot Bailoth and things like that. So, I don't know. I, I'm kind of out on this, unless, of course, you want to play it for the, for the laughs, for the giggles, and the, and, the, and the nostalgia of playing a card from this vintage. Like, that's the only appeal. Like, it's the fact you want to play something old and, like, totally, like, jank. But, in terms of matching up, like, if you showed up to a stone, with a Stonebrow deck, you're getting laughed off the table, probably. Like, that's my honest opinion. Like, you're getting laughed off the table. <laughs> so... Anyway, that's my thoughts. But it, it, it was an interesting card because I'm like, oh, it's like sometimes they toss us like bad commons. But like, here's a card that I bet you know when Time Spiral was released was actually pretty decent, and would have been a reasonably sized body and a decent creature to run as a commander. But in today's world of commander, like this card is not where you want to be at. Lux, anything you want to add? Yeah, not really. Yeah, it's too bad, because, like, it's a cool card, right? Like, it's a sweet card, and from, from an older set, and it's kind of funky, but, like, you show up, you're going to get pantsed bad. If that, if, like, think about it, like, so many many decks are really, like, want to, want to lean into their commander and play it, right? Yeah. But, like, do you really want to play this commander? Like, you don't really. Like, you're, like, not really that excited for it. Not that big hammer that you want to play and finish the game. Like, I guess it could be, but it's unlikely. Like, I'm out. I'm out. Don't like it. Sorry, Stonebrow. Sorry. All right. Ready to move on? Yep. Segment two. All right. Tonight, folks, I thought we'd spend some time. We'd vote some of tonight's show to talking about board wipes. Because, um... You know, I actually, you know, I saw some posts about this and people talking about it, and I think actually uh, we were at a stage in the game where um, the reliance on the board wipe has sort of swung too far. Lux, tell me if you agree with me. If, tell me if you agree with me or not. I feel like more people are prone to put board wipes in their deck instead of targeted removal. Would you agree that people put more board wipes and are and are skewing their decks towards removing all tar- all targets from the table instead of removing select targets from the table? Yeah, and the the last couple of games of Commander that I played in over the uh, last month or so, I have seen very many board wipes in it be played. Yeah, like. I would say if, if if there is a game that goes by and I haven't seen at least two board wipes, I'm like something's gone very very peculiarly, and I I've seen as many as five in a game, and like by the time you hit five, like the game is now going to be an interminable slog, to try and get everybody 
like to try and finish somebody off, right? Um, yep. But what I have also noticed. Oh, go ahead. What are we gonna add there, Lex? I wasn't gonna add anything. Oh, sorry. I thought I heard you jump in there for a second. However, what I have also noticed is that um, commander players have really gravitated towards a select number of board wipes, um, and consequently, those board wipes have really seen um, a drastic uh, boost in price. Um, I think particularly the ones that people seem to gravitate to are the ones that are cheap um, to cast, not cheap to play, in terms of cash money in your pocket. So things like Toxic Deluge, um, well, Cyclonic Rift obviously gets, uh, gets, gets a ton of play, um, but you're talking about, like, you're talking about sorceries that are, you know, probably, you know, probably on the, on the more, like, on the, on the, sorry, on the cheaper side of, you know, what sort of cards you want to play. Um, like Supreme Verdict, like Supreme Verdict is four mana and you just cannot be countered. So you're sure it's going to go through. Um, just looking at the cards that are available here on, um, on EDH Rec. So you have Austere Command because of the modality of it. It's not expensive because it's been reprinted a bunch of times, but had Austere Command only been printed once or twice, like it would be a lot more expensive. Um, you know, you get Wrath of God, which again has been reprinted a bunch, but you got Damnation, which is a color shifted version of it. And like, it's a $30 card. Like, so like, and there's obviously a lot of, um, and like four mana seems to be the threshold. Like if it's plus or minus four mana in black or white, you'll, you're keen to play it. Once you get beyond that, like you're talking about like the five and six mana wraths, like people are really less inclined to play it. But I really thought, you know, I think it's worth our while to give players some, some budgetary, some budget conscious options that are going to let people, um, a provide some customization to their deck. I think. Too frequently, we have seen players devolve to playing, um, you know, Cyclonic Rift. If you're playing blue, you you need to assume that they have a Cyclonic Rift in their deck. If they're playing black, you almost assume they have a Toxic Deluge or a, or a Damnation or both sitting in their sitting in their deck somewhere. Um, if you're playing red, like it's Blasphemous Act or Bust, basically, and the only reason it's cheap is because it's been reprinted a bajillion times. So like these are, I mean, that's sort of sort of where I sort of figure our where you know the bulk of our wrath land. Um, now there's other things that you know obviously get played too, but that's sort of the ones that I tend to see most frequently. Uh, Lux, you what, can you think about the ones that you see most frequently? Is there anyone that that I haven't already named or that you, that, that get played frequently for you? In out of all of them, and the one that I have seen be played the most in the last year or so has to be Shadow of the Sky. Uh, yeah, I suppose that for again, you're talking about four mana there, right? So that's sort of the, that's the that's the, the Mendoza line that at four mana people are prepared to go for it, and then once you get once you get past four mana, the desi desirability of it is significantly diminished. <coughs> so. Yeah, no, I can totally imagine that uh, Shadow of the Sky is is getting a decent amount of run in the current meta. I also imagine like Kaya's Wrath is also sort of on that scale, but due to the fact it's got two colors, it's a little bit further down the 
down the down the scheme of things. But anyway. I mean, they just, they just, uh, just said that Kaya's Wrath is such a good card, and yet I have not once have I ever seen it be played. Not once. Oh, you can play with me because I play it all the time. Because <laughs> I I like it. So, um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, not everybody wants to run it because not everybody plays black and white. Like the fact that its color identity is black and white does constrain it to a fairly significant margin. So, all right. Um, now the next question for you, Lux. How much value do you place on board wipes that target other things other than just creatures? Like, we obviously talk about creatures a lot, because oftentimes that is what kills you. However, uh, how much, how much uh, do you consider putting things in that target other things other than just creatures? So I'm thinking, notably, artifacts and enchantments as being the two other things that can and should be removed to some degree, or else you're probably going to lose the game. Something. Believe it or not, those are actually the ones that I would uh, focus more on because, like, usually, yes, the creatures are a threat because they they're the ones that deal the damage. But most of the time, there are artifacts and enchantments that are even bigger threats. Yeah, I think that's where we have to conclude, everybody, that um, enchantments and artifacts are really very seriously going to be the things that. Um, Tip the, the, the you know, uh, imagine a four person board state where we've created a board stall. What is going to often determine who's going to come out victorious is going to be whoever is playing enchantments that are difficult to remove and provide significant values. So, your smothering tithes, your let's have a look at the top enchantments. Like, these things are the ones that are, are just going to tip things. Ristic Study, Smothering Tithe, Rhythm of the Wild. Uh, Marari's Wake, Mystic Remora, incidentally, look at that, like two of those are blue cards in the top five, and there are card draw mechanics, um, followed by Smothering Tides, there's a mana mechanic. Uh, Sylvan Library, yep, more, more card draw, and then you get into things like Ghostly Prison. Now get this, do you know what the, the ninth most commonly played enchantment is? What? Right here, it's, or based on percentage-wise is teamer uh teamer ascendancy that's in the last two uh, sorry that's in the last two uh, last in the last week sorry i miss i misspoke there all right so last two years othering tithe risky study rhythm of the wild are all there one two three risk mystic remora sylvan library that hasn't changed Ferrari's wake phyrexian arena oh yes card draw um ghostly prison okay pillow fort guardian project card draw teamer ascendancy right there in the top what 10 right there that's crazy i hadn't thought of that Orishar's Enemy Dead, Moldervine Reclamation, well, yet another card drawing mechanic. Um, Propaganda, which is a pillow fort. And then we get Wild Growth, which is our first ramp card. Underworld Breach. Anointed Procession is like the top 15. Uh, top 20. That's the first time you see Anointed Procession, or, like, or, a, or a token doubler. And get this, Whirlwind of Thought. The one from Ikoria, the Jeskai-colored enchantment that every time you cast a non-creature spell, draw a card. That's cool. Anyway, these are the cards that are going to kill you, folks. I hate to say it. These are the things that are going to do you in. So you need to have a plan to how to address them and not just say, well, I'm going to kill my opponent. Because if you do that and they go cast a, a, a ghostly prison and a propaganda... You're gonna have a really difficult time punching through to knock them out. So, 
you need to have a plan, and there's probably a, each of your opponents has probably got three to four really devastating enchantments that if you leave them on the battlefield, you're in big trouble. Yep. Um, Lux, how many um, board wipes do you tend to run in a deck? In honestly, nothing. Just depends on like what colors I'm playing, but I normally run like at least two or three, just to be safe. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I probably have two. Yeah, I probably have two, and then I probably have like if I'm in red, I almost assuredly have a Vandal Blast, um, in my deck uh, if I'm in red, because I like I'll count that as a sweeper, so that's a third, um. I will talk about some of my favorite ones that I'm going to start building into decks instead of Vandal Blast, because there are a few other options that are out there. But Vandal Blast with that overload mechanic is just really good. Um, I've started putting, um, oh, what is it? Essence Filter? I think it's called Essence Filter. And I'll read it out for you. It's a really old one from, um, from, Geek, uh, from Ice Age. So Essence Filter, one green green, destroy all enchantments or all non-white enchantments and the reason i kind of like this one is because you can mode it to kill all the other enchantments except for your smothering tithe that's why i want to run it and the three mana like that is a very very funny card um so at the very least it destroys all enchantments which is a board wipe for three mana which is again in that sort of sweet spot but you want to you can make it modal and you can get everything else but your Smothering Tithe and or whatever other white enchantment you happen to have on the battlefield and be okay with it. Now, if your opponents have white things, you can still use it to kill all the white things. But if you're the only one in white with white enchantments, you can mode it You can, and it can be a one-sided Wrath or a one-sided Wipe, which I really like. That flexibility is something that people often forget about. But yeah, so those are the sort of things that I, I, I want to build into my deck. So... I guess I have two creature sweepers, and I probably have one to two, depending on what color combinations I'm in. Because, I mean, I play a lot of green, so Essence Filter gets a lot of run. Um, and then, uh, but, like, Vandal Blast gets run in all my red decks, too. So if I'm, like, in a Naya deck, like, I'm running... Or four to five because I like, you've got the extra ones because you can probably run a bunch of white ones if you need to too. So anyway, but yeah, normally I would probably have two creature ones and then some number of other things to use to wipe away other types of permanents. Um, do you want to go through some of the ones that we've uh, that we sort of pulled out as being like fun budget options for for people to play with? Yep. All right, so um. We'll start with red, and uh, I think red's got a pretty good number of, uh, of cards here. So, obviously, we've talked about Blasphemous Act already. If you're not familiar with Blasphemous Act, you should be, um, and you're playing, particularly if you're playing Commander, because this one is built into many of the pre-cons that are floating around, uh, and it's just a real, it can be a really efficient um, board wipe. So, the reason like Blasphemous Act is super flexible is because it's got a cost reduction mechanic, so maybe nine mana, but it's not really nine mana. It's more like what would you say, Lux? Like two to three mana. Yeah. Yeah. Like I've often seen Blasphemous Act cast for like three. Right? If you think about it, like there's 
each of us have got a couple of creatures, and all of a sudden, Blasphemous Act is very castable. Um, Vandal Blast, again, we've talked about it already. Uh, very, very useful card with which to get rid of enchant uh, artifacts. Can't say no to it. Then, Chain Reaction, which is a 35 cent card out of a bunch of Commander Precons. So, two red, red for a sorcery. Um, chain Reaction deals X damage to each creature where X is the number of creatures on the battlefield. So, this can be a very prompt board wipe. Um, you know, particularly if you've got an opponent playing a, a tokens game, like this can very quickly, like, just deliver a knockout punch to all the creatures on the board without much trouble. And I think it's for 35 cents, you can't go wrong. Right, Lux? Yep. <laughs> um, Earthquake is one that targets uh, just your cre just creatures on the ground. Uh, Star of, a Star of Extinction is awfully funny. Um, that's the one that deals 20 to all creatures, but it's, I think it's seven mana casted. Yeah, five red reds. So it's not cheap, but uh, at two, 250, like you want, you're looking for a sweeper in red. Why not play Star of Extinction? That's funny. People are going to get a giggle out of that one. And there's some really gross things you can do with that one. And things like um, fire, like, oh, Song Speaker, fire. Oh, ah. I'm drawing a blank here. Song Speaker. Oh, it's the one that, pro, you, know, you know the Boros promo commander that they have as a, as a bio box promo lux? That gives your your, yep. your spells uh, lifelink. I've forgotten what it'll, it'll come to me like in a bit, but like I've seen that one in Star of Extinction result in like a guy picking up like 400 life points, and you're like, wow. Okay then, <laughs> that's that. Um, burn down the house uh, is a new one from um, Midnight Hunt. And I like it because it's modal, Lux. Have you looked at this card much? And I have. Like, I rather like this card. So it's got two modes. It's got three red red for... deals five damage to each creature and each planeswalker. Well, okay, that's probably going to... kill most of the things on the on the board, right? Yep. And, then you, if you, and let's imagine you don't need to burn things down... But you need to. You're looking for tokens on the battlefield. Like you can put some one-one red devils down. Um, that can be used for other utility as well. So, um, I rather like this one. I think the flexibility of it is rather good. I imagine you're probably casting it most of the time for um, the first mode, where you're dealing five damage to each creature and each planeswalker. But I could see a world where. If you're playing red tokens or you're doing something of that nature, it, you might want to go for mode two and do something fun with that. Um, Hour of Devastation is very similar. It's, you know, three red red for a five mana. Oh, that's not the same card. Uh, that's unfortunate. I want red. My, I put the wrong link in there, Lurlux, <laughs> because I'm not smart. All right, so three red red, all creatures lose indestructible until end of turn. Our devastation deals five damage to each creature and each non-bolus planeswalker. The non-bolus part, I figure, is not overly pertinent, but the losing indestructibility and burning things down is, so that's good. And then uh, a couple artifact killers, along with Vandal Blast, is Shatterstorm and Builder's, Builder's Bane, which is a card from Mirage. Get this one, Lux. Red XX. Destroy X target artifacts. 
For each artifact put into the graveyard in this way, Builder's Bane deals one damage to that artifact's controller. So you could make this be a one-sided wipe. It's expensive, but you can make it be a one-sided board wipe for all for like all the artifacts you don't control. So seems good to me. And it's like ten cents. But it's old as dirt. So anyway. Um, Lox, anything there from Red that you uh, that we missed or that you like to play instead of uh, what I've listed there? Yeah. Hmm. Only, you know, like there is that one, but let's not mention it because like it's a pretty salty card. I mean, Jocko hops. Yep. I mean, they, honestly, they <laughs> they the only reason I really did that. Was because you know, they, when I first started in a, getting into Commander, they people had a habit of always targeting me, so I added that into my Naya deck as a means of telling people, "Hey, they, I'm not going to put up in, with in, you're in a funny business anymore." <laughs> like, I love it how you keep bringing like coming bringing back to Jocko Hops of like, I, and it's like, folks, let's be real, it's it's five bucks. So, like, if you wanted to grab a Jocko Hops, like, you might be a bad person, but I'm not going to tell you not to. Like, it, you, you've got to know why you're playing that card, though. Like, you're not putting it in there for giggles. You're doing it in there to punish your opponents, make sure that they've, they understand darn well that they've gone in to blow up the table and make everybody start again. So, I'm okay with it, but it's, it wouldn't be where, my, where I would start, right, Lux? I would, like, I yeah. would get there after, like, people... We're being bozos at the table, and I'm like, no, 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 none of this. We're gonna blow this all up. And because, like I said, they, that's the reason why I started playing it was a means of attitude adjustment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right, let's move on to white because white's got a ton of these things, folks. And there's a whole bunch that people forget about that are really, really cheap. So, top of my list, Lux. One that people forget about is Fumigate. Now, Fumigate is a great card because you get the board wipe effect, but then you gain life for each creature destroyed this way. So it's kind of like getting what Kaya's Wrath has to offer, but only a mono white, meaning it's going to get played in a lot of decks. Like, I think this is, this is an excellent... I mean, it may be five mana, and people go, oh, five mana, but I think this one's excellent because this is going to be the sort of like life swing that you're going to need when you if you're think if you're playing so any anybody who's flooded the board with tokens or a go wise strategy like this is going to be a like a big life swing that you might have been looking at get taking some beats next turn from somebody getting aggressive and now you've just settled everything right down you padded your life total and like there's no, I, I see no drawbacks here what about you like what do you and, think Lex? Might... You the gate? and they get seems like a pretty good card and i Actually, and I think I might have a few of these because I did draft a lot of Kaladesh back when it first came out. Uh, I would expect that you do. I would expect you have a bunch of this. Um, yeah, it's it's pretty prevalent. It's floating around. It's out there. And uh, people have it. So, yeah, Fumigate. I also really like Tragic Arrogance. This is the next one on our list. This is from Dominaria, uh, I believe. Oh, no, uh, Magic Origins. 
And then for each player, you choose from among the permanents that player controls an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker. Then each player sacrifices all the non-land permanents he or she controls, all other non-land permanents they control. So I like this was you get to control what your opponents keep. So you can let them keep the blood token and let them keep the the poopy mana dork and keep the you know whatever but you can do a lot you can do a have a lot of say and control over what gets removed and this is only 55 cents folks like this is a very powerful card for 55 cents like this is this is the stuff like it's three white white again but like this stuff like this punishes decks hard and you get to control it what do you think lux solid um, I, yeah definitely and i know for sure that i have in a one of these because the you never forget the first rare or mythic that you open from a set no no for sure so yeah people probably have this in their bulk or in their boxes like you have a box of rares somewhere kicking around like go and pull this out folks like this is good this is exactly the sort of card you use to keep your budget down um so you can you can dedicate more financial resources towards good cards to power your deck because this will do a, a number on the battlefield just just hose it all right uh next we have austere command which is like goes without explaining like explanation it's very flexible it's very good um another flexible one is cleansing nova which i think is from m19 yeah m19 and this one has got check this out so it's got a destroy all creatures mode but it also has a destroy all artifacts and enchantments mode and sometimes i think that second mode is almost more useful than the first one any thoughts there lux you know it's <laughs> like we said you know, like and like this would definitely be a useful one because and it's like we said you know, like most of the time there's going to be artifacts and enchantments that pose bigger threat than the creatures yeah for sure um and a lot of these white ones are pretty cheap. So you get Divine Reckoning, which has got a similar like sacrifice trigger. Um, so each player chooses a creature he or she controls, destroy the rest. So like each player is going to pick their best creature, um, and they destroy everything else, which is you know could be a problem. But if you set it up right, is going to be a pretty pretty big swing in your favor. And this one I really like because it's got flashback. So you can play it, you know, for two white white at the first the first time round, and you're gonna get double duty out of it. Or or you can even like mill it into your own yard if you, for instance, need to discard it or there's or they're milling you off the top of your deck and you need to, you know, deal with stuff. Like this is gonna be a really nice safety um, safety insurance or insurance policy for you gonna tuck in your graveyard and maybe you get a chance to use it later in the game and and clear the board of all the mess uh one more time so it's a good card it's a, it's a you know surefire two for one for sure because you get a second chance out of it um martial coup um and you're gonna be make um a bunch of soldier tokens sure uh our reckoning um what is this one destroy all non-token creatures so like you can it's got convoke and you can use it to destroy all non-token creatures. It means your token decks, um, this is like an auto-include, and at 25 cents or whatever it is, like you can't, like a token deck can't go wrong. So, yeah. 
And then onto inversion, which I think I, I pulled it out of here because I like it because it's an MDFC from uh, Zendikar Rising, where on one side you get an expensive wrath. So six white white is an expensive wrath effect. Um, but, you know, if you're getting into the late, later stages of the game, okay, you need it, you got it. Or if you need to play it, get it earlier in the game, you can play it for a land. That also seems useful and pretty pretty strong. And, you know, if you need to, you can. there are ways to pick up your lands. You can play Moloku. You can play a Bounce Land. There's ways to pick up um, your your lands, and then you can pick up this Ondu, uh Sky Ruins, turn it back onto an, onto an Ondu Inversions, and, you know, clean the board up that way. Lox, is there any white ones that uh, I have forgotten about that, you know, we probably should include on our list? And not that I can think of. Like, there's tons more out there, folks. Like, if you want to play them, like, there's tons out there. It's white. There's tons of wipes. Every set's got at least one. Like, I don't have, I don't have Shadow of the Sky on the list. I don't have... Uh, what else don't I have on the list? Oh, there's tons of them. But, anyway. Um, Alright, moving on to black. Um, now, obviously, like we could put Toxic Deluge on here. We didn't. We could put uh, Damnation on here. We didn't. Um, so we have Ingaric's Wake, which is a one-sided Wrath for, like, I think, nine. But, mm, funny. Degree of, Decree of Pain. This one uh, is, again, very powerful. I think people um, overlook this one. So, yes, it is six black black. But think about it there, Lux. How many players who are playing black are running something like uh, Crypt Ghast or a Cabal Coffers or even a Cabal Stronghold and it can make a lot of mana fast? And they, I'd say just about every single person I know that plays black. Exactly. Like they're all into that. So it says eight mana, but it's eight mana in a color, in a color that can make that eight mana without too much difficulty. So just saying, it's not the end of the world. Now, I do also like the text that, like, if you cast this for eight, you can draw a card for each creature destroyed, which is useful, or you can cycle it away and shrink down your opponent's stuff, minus two, minus two, and that can also be very powerful effect. So, like a Decree of Pain for 399, can't go wrong. Crux of Fate, that's just, like, five mana for, you know, it could be um, a Damnation, or you can use it modally to keep your dragons and kill all non-dragons. Which, if you're a dragon's deck, seems good. <laughs> right? Yep. Um, and then we have Deathbringer Regent, which I kept on here. Um, in part because it's, I know it's not a, a sorcery. But Deathbringer Regent often acts like a board wipe. Um, the number of times that I've seen uh, a Deathbringer Regent land on the battlefield and wipe the board away is pretty common. And it's cheap. Like, it's dirt cheap. Alright? Uh, we're moving on to blue next. Oh, unless there's something I missed there, Lux. Are there any others that you want to talk about? Nope. No, that's more... Like, black... Like, the good ones in black are very expensive, and the ones that aren't so expensive are usually have got conditions or not as, are not as good yet. But anyway. No. Um, well, then we're into blue. And yes, we're not going to talk about uh, Cyclonic Rift, because... Everyone knows about Cyclonic Rift. It's not a surprise. But we've got Curse of the Swine, 
which can be a really big uh, a really big a swing um, way to you know eliminate a bunch of scary things all at once. Uh, Flood of Tears, which is a rare from I think M20, right? Yeah, M20. And so four blue blue, return all non-land permanents to their owner's hand. If you return four or more non-token permanents you control this way, you may put a permanent card from your hand onto the battlefield. So it's kind of like a fixed version of Cyclonic Rift because it's being done at, in, at sorcery speed, not instant. But uh, you can play Flood of Tears. It's 25 cents. And, uh, you know, you can get pretty good value. I've had it and triggered the second clause where I can go and play a, th a permanent from my hand again, which is surprisingly potent. We can put, the, put your big thing back down on the table. And then River's Rebuke um, is kind of, to me, like a targeted Cyclonic Rift where you just get one person unless you can recur it. And when you guess you can get a lot of people with it. I'm not saying, Lux, that I've done this, but I, I might have recurred River's Rebuke a bunch in my life. Am I a bad person now, Lux? No. Like, River's Rebuke, I'm going to be honest, folks, you, you have to be careful with it because it almost feels worse than Cyclonic Rift because when you cast it, you're automatically like, essentially knocking, like, you're deciding, you're playing Kingmaker, and someone's getting knocked out of the game in most instances. Because now you just left somebody just wide open to get thumped. And you left two opponents who can capitalize on it. So it's got some feels bad to it, but uh, it is an option out there that probably should be played. Um,. Is there, is there anything you can think of in blue that I haven't already included there, Lux? Because I, I, I tried, I think... Oh, I forgot Aether Spouts. That's the one I forgot. I knew there was one I forgot I was forgetting. Aether Spouts. Which is always a fun card, right? Yep. Nothing quite like sending all your opponent's attackers back to their hand. And then just running away on it. Like, it's just... Oh, Aether Spouts. Good card. I like the card. Alright, moving on to green. Um, green doesn't really have a board wipe, does it there, Lux? Yeah, no, not really. He's not a creature one-wise. Um, although we can create that situation, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, what Green mostly ends up eliminating... Enchantments, for the most part, right? Yeah, enchantments and artifacts. Yeah, I would agree. Um, folks, you should go back to playing Tranquilities. Like, I, uh, that's that's my hot take for tonight. Go back and find your hot, your, find your 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 Tranquilities, and run them, or Essence Filters, or whatever you want to run as. Mono Green's way of dealing with all the enchantments on the battle on the battlefield. Like I think you want this because if you don't, you're gonna have a problem here. Like <laughs> you are. At some point in every game, we like the reason we lose is because someone's enchantments run away on us. Like we need to be able to deal with them more appropriately. And so, you know, tranquility or the equivalents are very, very good to put in your deck. To allow you to fight off a, a collection of very powerful enchantments. 
Lux, and any agreement there, or, or am I going out on a limb and saying we should be running Tranquility at type effects? And I think you have the right idea. I uh, really do think folks need to do it. Um, I know, so I know green doesn't destroy creatures, but there are some ways that green can. So lure and a creature with death touch will get the job done in most cases. So your sedge scorpion plus lure means your opponent's all going to die. He's pretty sure of it. So, um, yeah, yeah. Lure plus death touch creatures can simulate um, a board wipe. Also, attacking with a bunch of big things and putting an overrun on them and making them even bigger often results in a board wipe. Whether you like to admit it or not, <laughs> it may not be as deliberately intentionally planned, but it definitely can be as debilitating as if your board just got wiped. Any, any other thoughts there, Lux, before we check out some multicolored ones? Uh, nope. All right. So multicolored ones, we've got uh, Dam. We've got Merciless Eviction, Kaya's Wrath, Fine Finality, Calling Ritual, Last One Standing, Devastation Tide, Savage Twister, Oversimplified, Time Wipe, or Time Wipe, um, Ruinous Ultimatum, Doom Blast, Casualties of War. All of these are multicolored Wrath spells that are going to have various effects. Um, or any of these that jump off the page as being things that you, that you dig. I know we both said we like Kaya's Wrath. Um, are there any others that you really like? And believe it or not, there's actually in one outside of green that I really like that happens to be on this list. And that one happens to be oh, yeah. Ultimatum. You know what? I was going to say the same thing. Um, I really
All right, can you hear me now? Yep. Lux, can you got me? Hello? Yeah, you got me? Yep. Good, okay. Um, okay. So I was gonna say I was just asking, is there anything else that you think you want to get? Um any other um multicolored spells that we needed to uh speak to, or is that you know the bulk of them? It seems like the bulk of them like there was one that I was thinking about, but it didn't they do as I kind of was thinking. I didn't remember what exactly it actually did. Well, what what one is that? Well, like actually, I was thinking abrupt decay, but then I went back and looked at the card and realized that it was only single target. Yeah, it's definitely not a board wipe. Um, it, it would be target removal, and even then, I I'm not a huge fan of abrupt decay because of the fact that it um it is reasonably limited. It's really good in modern. Or at least it was. I don't know if it is anymore, but it was really good in modern at one time. But I think in this day and age, um, commander, like I know, in CDH crowds, that might abrupt decay might fly. But I'm pretty sure, you know, in the current environment, uh, in particularly in casual circles, it's got to not have as many targets as it probably as you would like it to have. But still, an excellent card. Still an excellent card. All right, I think it's time for us to brew a deck, Lux. Yeah. So you brought something spicy tonight. What did you bring with us tonight? And I happened to and homebrew a Tobolar deck. Oh boy! And like you're not kidding. Like you brewed this out of what? Like nearly every single card on this list is something that I had in my personal collection. Nice. All right, so this is all. This is like this is like this is your new this is your new werewolf deck, right? Yep. All right, so who's your commander? As if we and have to ask. Tobler, Dire Overlord. Dude is awesome. All right, so read him for us. What does what does what does Tobler do? For one, a red and green, you get a legendary creature, human werewolf, thirty-three. Whenever a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. At the beginning of your upkeep, if you control three more wolves and or werewolves, it becomes night. Then transform any number of human werewolves you control. And then front side has daybound. Then the back, Tovalar the Midnight Scourge, a very creature werewolf, 4-4. Four, four. Whenever a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player, draw a card. Then X, red, green, target, wolf or werewolf you control gets plus X, plus zero, and gains trample until end of turn. All right, that's really good because that's um, that's casting Wolf Run on a creature, and that's exactly what you needed. So yeah, Tovalar is good. He's very popular these days. Lots of people are building tribal werewolves. All right, let's talk, let's let's go through your deck. So let's look at the Planeswalkers. What are you packing? I happen to bring all three versions of Arlen. All the Arlens. And they're all, they all play different roles in this deck, and I think they're all good. I really do. Um, I know I, when we were talking here before the show, everybody, you couldn't hear me. Like, and I looked like, Arlen, voice of the pack, ew. And then I read it, and I looked at the deck list, and I go, oh, that's really good in this deck. So, yeah, Arlen's voice of the pack. Uh, Arlen's, uh, the, Arlen the, pack ho the pack's hope. 
and Arlen Cord are all very relevant abilities here. I don't think any one of them are bad. All right, then we're going to look at your creatures. Let's have a look at those creatures. And, oh my goodness, what do we see? Nothing but wolves and werewolves. Yep. Is there anything that's not a werewolf? Or a wolf? I don't think so. Everyone's a wolf? They, there's only one, and that's Cult of the Waxing Moon. Oh, that may as well be a werewolf, because it's all, it's all about werewolves. Yep. Um, I'll be honest here, folks. Like, looking at Lux's list here, like, these creatures are all very affordable. The only exception is a Huntmaster. If you want a Huntmaster of the Fells, yeah, you'll, you'll pay a pretty penny for it. But again, and like you don't need to if you don't want to. But like the card's very good, the the, the ability is very powerful, and so you I mean you you may want to run a hunt master. I don't even know why the price is this expensive anymore because I don't think hunt master gets run in modern, right? Like he's, no one's playing them in modern jund, so I don't know why he's nope. over twenty bucks still. <laughs> but he is, <laughs> so. But everything else is very affordable. I think Mirror of Averbuck is like the only other one that's expensive, but he's he's a lord, so you kind of got to run him. Um, wh what's your favorite, um, you know, werewolf or a couple of werewolves from this list here that you got? And they, to be honest with you, they they out of all the wolves and werewolves that you see, like in the creatures list, there is one that really stands out to me, and. It's like I said back in during the board wipe segment, you never forget your yeah. first rare pick. And they, I remember they, they, my local Walmart used to carry these in the dual packs where like I found yeah. one that had a pack of and a Dark Ascension and a pack of Gatecrash. I happened to open up that yeah. pack of and Dark Ascension and what do I pull out of it? A Mondron and Shaman. Oh, yeah, she's a sweet one. Uh, people have probably forgotten about her, but so Mondrian and Shaman, um, it's the backside you want, right? Oh, come on, let me flip her. So, um, so Mondrana, eh, I'm not saying it right. Mondrian and Shaman, uh, when you can flip her, she goes Tovalar's Mage Hunter, and then whenever an opponent casts a spell. Tovalar's Mage Hunter deals two damage to that player. That's pretty potent. And if you can keep her flipped over because you're playing um, an Immerwolf and keep her and keep her pinned on the back, then you're going to be laughing as they're trying to struggle through, you know, this sort of punishing effect. So I'm a big fan. Big fan. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Lots of lots of wolves. Lots of creatures. And um, you know. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get to go get to turn your creatures sideways. Let's look at the sorceries. We've got what do we got here? We got things like Dryad's huh. Revival. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question. Why did you include Dryad's Revival in this list? Are you running a lot of ways to dump lands in your graveyard? Return target card. Oh, sorry. Return target card. So that's regrowth with a flashback. Well, that's very powerful, isn't it? Yep. Keep going. Talk me through it. There's some more here. Um, 
Tell me about Survivor's Bond. Why is this making your list? Oh, and mainly because, I mean, just in case they, some of my big hitters or they potent in the creatures and get into, they axed, I can have a way of bringing them back. Excellent. Just, just a little bit of safety, a little bit of insurance policy and a little bit of safety right there from that one. Um, then we have some instants. We have oh, just a lot of things like Moonlight Hunt and Waxing Moon and Wolf Strike. Like more Wolf Matters cards, right? Yep. All good stuff. Artifacts. Um, tell me about them. Like, so, obviously, the big, the big ticket here is the Celestis, right? Yep. So Celestis, folks, is is, is the artifact from um, Midnight Hunt that cares about uh, whether it's day or night, and all your all your your werewolves that are that are care about the day night cycle are interested in in that in whether it's day or night, and Celestis can help do that. Um, and it can also help you just draw cards if you needed to. So it's decent. Um, otherwise, I'll, like, I'll be honest, I saw this list, and, like, I liked the inclusion, you wanted to include a piece of equipment to help you push through damage with a lot of tramplers. I like Ceremonial Knife. Uh, this is a new one from, from Crimson Vow. Any piece of equipment that, that comes down for one and equipped for two or less, I'm automatically all about. And this reminds me very much of Prying Blade, which is, uh, a treasure maker. So whenever you deal, your, the creature deals damage to a creature uh, to an opponent, you'll get a treasure. Well, ceremonial knife is very similar. Gives your creature plus one plus O oh, and has whenever deals combat damage to a creature. Sorry to a uh, sorry. Whenever deals combat damage, this creature deals combat damage. Uh, create a blood token, which is even better than prying blade because it doesn't need to be to a to a person. You just need to deal damage to a person to to a creature to but blocks you. And now you're going to be getting a blood token, which doesn't sound like hugely impactful, but the fact that you can use it to help you cycle away a land or something you don't want in the later stages of the game is really powerful. Um, all right, uh, enchantments. I think you're, I see these all look really good for me. Um, I really like the inclusion of the weaponized the monsters, Lux. What, what's your thought there? You know, and then they sack a creature, and they, you can deal two damage. Like basically a shock, they you know, something, and a and see they this card right here. Like I was looking at it, and this is what actually one of the main reasons why I added Survivor's Bond. Oh, for sure. Like you can now have a cheap way to pitch a couple of of, of werewolves, and you can like. You can really use that as a way to to close out the game and, and, and like knock someone out. If they get, let's imagine they stabilize at like six life. Not a big stretch to think that you're going to weaponize the monsters and kill them right out of nowhere, right? Yeah. Um, and like you're going to have lots of wolf tokens floating around from all sorts of things around here, so you'll have fodder for it, I think. Yep. And then the mana base, like the most expensive land there is Kessig Wolf Run. Which is a similar ability to what's on Tovalar. Everything else, though, it looks like a pretty, like, pretty typical red-green mana base, right? Yep. 
Very budget friendly there, folks. So Lux, you know what I like about this deck? It comes in at one hundred and three dollars and twenty nine cents. Yep. That's really good, right? That's good yeah. and sweet. Like that's a you get a deck that's very playable, folks, for $103. You can like walk into a store, you can walk out with this deck, and now like you can go sit down to play commander with your friends over a spell table or in their house. And you've got a deck. Like then it's only and it didn't cost you an arm and a leg. So I have to say, like Lux, you, you did it here, my friend. You got yourself yep. um, a keeper. Looks like a good, a good list. Anything else you want to add about your deck? Anything you want to tell us about? Anything else? Like any pet cards you liked, or I know I've said this before, and then back when we were reviewing in Midnight Hunt, but Togolar really is what makes this deck. I know I've said this before, but yeah. it's about time that werewolves got a viable commander. Wow, yeah, you're not wrong. But like, you're you're not wrong. Um, Ulrich uh, of the Crowland Horde was not suitable, and Eldritch Moon, he was pretty much poo. Um, I built, I have a werewolf deck built, and my commander is Arlen Cord, and my uh, I have her as my commander ostensibly because I'm going to rule zero her. And put her in a and put her in, in as my commander, and I think that's she's not broken by any stretch of the imagination. She's all she's ultimately very fair. Um, she's just you know slightly different. Um, but yeah, obviously, if I have a Tovalar, Tovalar is going to go in in place of you know Arlen. <laughs> so um yeah no like it just looks 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 strong looks good a good entry point for somebody looking to get into the game and they're going to really enjoy sitting down and turning their their their, their 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 werewolf sideways the only drawback with this deck lux that i can imagine is flipping all those werewolves back and forth yeah it's the only drawback that and the fact the old werewolves don't behave the same way as the new werewolves like when Daybreak Ranger and Huntmaster of the Fells don't care about whether it's day or night, and then you have a whole bunch of ones that do care about their day and night, like that to me is a is is a pro is a, is a problem from a continuity standpoint in the game, but uh, also makes it hard to get like it's hard to build a deck like this, and when some when two of your types of, two of your major like sets you're drawing on fundamentally behave differently, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. It looks cool, though. I like the deck. I'm a big fan. Whether the werewolves behave themselves, who knows? That's part of the chaos of the werewolves. You never know what you're going to get, right? Yeah. So. All right, any last words, Alex, or should we move to, to wrap this one up? And I think it's about time to wrap this up. Getting late, isn't it? All right. Yeah. Um. So that's gonna wrap up this week's show. Big thanks uh, to Lux to jumping on and 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 getting us back to normal for our uh, the cast. If you like what you hear, you're always welcome to email us. Uh, our email address is theepicexperimentpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to get questions, comments, uh, new lists that people are brewing, uh, ideas that people happen to have. If you don't want to jump in the Discord, that's the best place to reach us. Send us those things on, on the old Gmail machine, and that would be great. If you want to reach out to us on Twitter for something short, um, you know, quick commentary or whatever, um, by all means, follow us on Twitter. Uh, our handle on Twitter is at EpicExpCast. Uh, 
Um, if you like our decks, you can check out Lux's list from this week and any list we produce on our, our Moxfield account. Please look up the username, the Epic Experiment Podcast, and it's all one word. Um, as always, with all of our other platforms that you where you can over, you can find us. Leave a question, ask uh, ask a comment. Yeah, that's how that one works. Leave a comment, ask a question, um, like, follow, subscribe, whatever. Just get the word out that we're here and we're talking Commander for you guys. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh, next week, we're going to back on it. I think we're going to actually be able to go back and review an old set, Lux. <gasps> we haven't done that in ages, have we? No, I actually don't even think we've done that this year. Uh, we have. It's been a while. It was episode 55. So it's been this year, but it's been been a while. It's been a good long while. So maybe it's time... In you know, reprise reviewing an older set and let people and I think next week's set people are gonna dig because it's War of the Spark. Yeah. All right, that's a good one. But that we'll save that for next week, folks. So get yourselves all excited for talking some War of the Spark. because uh, there are some dynamite gems in that one. But until next week, this is the Epic Experiment Podcast signing off. Wishing you all the best wherever you next play magic. Thanks so much everybody. Take care. Have a solid great week.